Okay, everyone, let's talk about sales because today I'm with Patrick Galang, and this guy is a sales recruiter. So not only has he been a high ticket closer for a lot of different companies and coaches and trains people in sales, but he also helps to build the sales team for coaches and consultants. Because for a lot of us, we find that we are the bottleneck in our own business because we cannot market, sell, book, and deliver all at the same time. Passing off the sales to someone else can seem like an uncomfortable and risky move, but when you work with someone like Patrick, who can help you find that perfect sales team for your business, it can be a really, really great move. So here he is, guys, Patrick Galang. This is Coaches to the Moon, the only podcast you need to skyrocket your coaching business and create true impact on the world. Here's your host, Alex Morris. Well, welcome back to the Coaches to the Moon podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am here with Patrick Galang from the High Ticket Sales Academy and uh, Patrick's a sales trainer and a recruiter. So what he's doing is he's actually helping coaches and consultants to get off the phones themselves and kind of outsource their sales to an amazing team who Patrick is training and bringing together for them because I believe that makes a more scalable business and we'll talk about that. So Patrick, I'm keen to get into it. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate awesome. it. So Patrick and I just found out that our kids are five days apart in age. And uh, so this man is in the trenches, just like me. You got the teeth coming through at the moment. Got the teeth coming through, painfully coming through, man. It's just slow. I don't know how long this thing goes for, this whole teething situation. But man, it is. Oh, we're feeling it as much as she's Dude, feeling it. That's what I'm thinking. You know, they've got like three or four teeth and it's a nightmare but they got like 30 to go <laughs> ah and i've heard the the molar i think that's what it's called the molars the back ones are the one are the worst ones too so and she's only got like a few on the front yes yeah. so man and, and you can see it like you can see it coming out but it just takes forever so i don't know um I, i'm hoping that she's been through all the hard stuff but from what i've heard there's more hard stuff to come so yeah that'll be fun <laughs> well you know all about it right yeah man we're <laughs> going to be going through daughters at the exact same time i'm yeah. i'm just being more efficient by doing two at once yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so when if another one comes out for you you'll know exactly what to do and yeah. uh we're just having to figure out twice as fast so you know we've all got our it's swinging yeah, nice. us for everyone. <laughs> no congratulations nice. the uh the lockdown baby's been nice i feel mm. i feel like um you and I have had a really unique opportunity to uh, spend a lot of time with our newborns that a lot of people would have felt the pressure to go back to work. How's it been for you? Yeah. Well, um, funny story about a few minutes ago, I had to text you to say, hey, I'm just nursing my baby back to sleep after being up. Um, it's been it's been great, man. It's it's I suppose it's given us the opportunity to well, not to force us to be, be at home, but just to spend the time with her as well and make the most out of it. So, uh, and, and lucky for my wife and I, we're, we're both online anyway. So and we have been since, you know, pre, pre-pandemic. So um, having her around has definitely made it, uh, made the gaps during the day much more enjoyable. So uh, it's, been, it's been good, man. It's been good. 100%. And the more we can leverage, the more we can outsource, the better. And that's exactly what you're doing to help coaches and consultants. So I gave you a brief little intro there. Can you just explain how your business Mm. works and why your service is so important for coaches? Yeah. So, I mean, I've worked in a lot of sales teams in the last few years, uh, coaching businesses in particular. Uh, And, you know, some of them had already established teams, but quite a few, you know, sort of like that um, might be the first hire or uh, things like that. And a lot of coaches do, right? They they go through a process where uh, they get to a point where all their hard work is bringing in all the income and they become the bottleneck. Of, of the business. So, I mean, when I was working with newer coaches uh, at the start and when I sort of dabbled into this, it wasn't so much that, you know, uh, that they they knew how to close and they knew how to sell and things like that. It's just, it comes to a point where they just got no time to mm. do anymore. So the, once they figured out that they're the bottleneck to their business, it's like, okay, now it's time to bring in somebody. Who do I bring in? How do I bring them in? What questions do I ask? How do I know if I'm going to have a good one? You know, how, how can I get them doing what I'm doing like as quickly as possible? 
and so you know all those little things uh, i just i just done a lot of it in the past uh in corporate world and you know sort of online now so yeah typically when a coach is figured out that they're the bottleneck in the business because of they're doing the end-to-end sales process it's kind of where we can step in and you know do the hiring do all the vetting still their team that we build um for them but ideally they get a person who's been vetted who are going to, is going to get trained on the right way to do things and obviously to fit their business model and to fit you know the culture that they want to breed as well so that's kind of the crux of it man that's when when we're working with teams is we get to yeah we get to instill them in their culture because i think that's important uh, as well right and especially if you're doing things yourself what sort of culture is good you know how am i going to pay these guys <laughs> how how often am i going to talk to them what question can they ask me uh, yeah, especially if it's the first one, it, it can be quite quite stressful. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Culture is definitely something we should get into because mm. you and I, we were both actually working with a team within the last year mm. who were um, run by James Wellington, who was actually my first guest on this podcast, one of my best friends in the world. Mm. Who's awesome, awesome in- guy. I love awesome him. It runs an intense, intense team, mm. and so their team is very, very results driven. And that guy will happily not sleep and just crunch numbers <laughs> and just win all the time. And he, and he kills it and he loves it. You yeah. and I, we both uh, had new babies and we decided to go in different directions away from mm. that business because that was our culture. And now I'm building my own team. And I think my team's culture reflects my own. When I mm. speak with uh, my VAs overseas, They'll be in a singlet. They'll be sitting on the floor. They'll be outside and they'll still get the job done. And that's kind of how yeah. I run. Yeah. And so when a, a business comes to you, that is a more uh, intense business. Mm. How do you go about finding a, a salesperson who can fit that culture? Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good point, man, because I think even like for me, maybe five years ago, I would have been that person for sure. And I would have loved, I would have thrived it, you know, uh, because uh, not James is not just an intense dude, but like he's pretty honest and he's uh, very results driven. And that's what you need for that type of business as well, you know? So, uh, and I think that culture, you know, breeds that sort of success as well. So when we go into, uh, you know, a a coach's business for the first time it's really about what's what sort of the values that they that they run how do they prefer to have their their team uh sort of communicated with uh you know like in a typical day what would that look like you know what i mean like what happens if this happens or how would you how would you deal with it uh, and how would you deal with it if somebody in your team had to deal with that situation uh, in the same way so and there's no right or wrong in it it's just really the stage of life where that you know, where that coach is and where that business owner is. So typically we'll find out, yeah, what's important to them, what's the priorities during the day uh, and how would they feel if this staff member had these things that they had to do. Um, And that's kind of when we bring in uh, some new setters. We're more looking not so much the skill, but like what's their priorities uh, in their life as well, right? Like what would be important uh, with them? Because you could get the best salesperson, uh, appointment setter, closer, and if they're not with the culture, it, it just doesn't work. It's just the odd one. You know, they'd be the odd one out. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it might last for a few months, but not, not for much longer than that, you know. So that's typically what we would do uh, when, we, when we get in there, just try to fit that personality with, with that coach as well. So half the yeah. time it's like personality, right? So I, th- I think, yeah, more than half the time. I, I don't know. If, have you ever worked in, you know, retail or hospitality or anything like that? Yeah, spent tons of time in uh, hospitality and retail. Yeah, both of them, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, I came fully from hospitality for about 12 years. And mm. when you get a new chef or waiter in to train them, you know, on a trial, mm. you're looking for base level skills, but mostly attitude, mostly personality. How do they fit in? Do they stand in the corner shyly do they come in with way too much bravado or do they kind of have that happy medium where they're mm. and polite but um also show some confidence because you can tell the first five minutes of a, 
a trial yeah. building a team in a hospitality venue because I've done it, you know, I've run my own places and I've managed places. And if a chef comes in and starts talking shit immediately, <laughs> they're out, <laughs> they're out they're trying too hard. And if someone comes in and they don't say a word the whole night, unfortunately, they're probably out as well because uh, you need you need that kind of cohesion mm. yeah. in the environment. So I, I think personality is uh, definitely more important than, than skill because mm. You know, you run a sales academy. Sales is a skill that can be taught. Do you believe mm. that anyone in the world can learn to sell, or do you think there needs to be a certain baseline there? I mean, I think everyone everyone can be taught, um, but there has to be, as far as baseline is concerned, there's a couple of like probably main traits that you need to have, and uh, one of them is definitely being rejected and not getting offended so easily. You know, not not even by your by your team, but by especially by the people you're talking to. You know, um, I, I think you just have to have that. You can build it over time, but if you get worn down by it, that's typically where results are going to go. You know, it's, so you, you have to be able to have that resilience, and that's probably the main thing. Plus, you you know, you need to be interested in people as well. You, you, that's just a, that's just a must. But I think the skill itself, uh, yeah, can can be taught. Um, and then once you know people sort of learn that I, I made a post the other day uh, about how you know like appointment setters don't always make the best closers mm. and the best closers don't make the best sales managers just like you know athletes the best athletes in the world don't become the best coaches uh, in, in yeah. the world you know yeah um, so there's a, I think like in an in an appointment setting scenario there's a certain skill you know when you're trying to bring people on through the DMs and then as a closer it's it's definitely a certain uh, skill level and and personality that 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 can sort of run that um, as well. So yeah, learn the skills, and then you find your spot, you find your place you know, in in all of those. And like as an appointment setter, as a closer, you double down on that, and you make the most out of it. You know, so that's what I think. And there's a few people that can do the whole the whole spectrum uh, and be really good at it. But I think. You know, if somebody's building a team, yeah, you've got to be mindful about okay, is that person like a career appointment setter, or are they an appointment setter that can go and become a closer? So you know, that those sort of things are important as well. It totally is, and I, you touched on something really interesting there: appointment setting via DMs. Mm. That's something that's probably didn't exist five years ago, and so. Yeah. You know, the way I think of an appointment setter, and you've made me completely rethink my own process because, as you know, I'm hiring an appointment setter at the moment. Yeah. I came <laughs> to you, and I now realize I came to you to do what you do for money for free and didn't even realize that that's what you did. So I apologize for trying to get <laughs> That's all right, man. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but the, the appointment setter thing, I just envision this person who sits down, gets a list of leads, and just calls leads and moves people along the line into, you know, a close situation with the closer or the business owner, whatever. Yeah. Appointment setting now, um, going in through the DMs, mm. that's a whole new game. That's a whole new ball game. That's not sales skills on the phone. That's uh, knowing how to move someone from a cold DM <laughs> to a phone call. And I know that is something that every coach and the world wants to do better because they're all sliding into DMs on Instagram mm. and Facebook all the time. Do you have any sort of just gold that is going to help people to move people from a DM situation into a conversation? Yeah, man. Like the, yeah, you're right though. Like a few years ago, uh, it used to be a massive, massive thing, uh, you know, selling through chat and people sliding in DMs, cold or warm whatever whatever it is and i know it's a big part of the game it's just the way especially in the last you know 12 months that that's how most communication uh sort of happens mm. so before it was on the phone either inbound or outbound sort of conversations you know like i said just go through a list nowadays you go through a list and then it's outbound chat or inbound chat mm. you know it's kind of like either the, the first step what i will say is for most uh, coaches out there right now and, you know, if you've been around for a little bit bit of time now, you're probably getting pitched every single day, every single day of the week. And I, do, I, get, I get that uh, every day, not just from coaches, but from setters and, and closers as well. You know, once they figure out I, I do recruitment, I, I get all kinds of people sliding into the DMs. Um, 
But the sad thing is, and I write about this yesterday, actually, I posted something on it. Um, a lot of, there's been a lot of negative feedback on the DM strategy or the DM process, you know, from coaches maybe getting pissed off that they're getting pitched every day. Um, and yeah, it's quite sad that that's the case because it, it either, well, one, it's going to put people off from doing it, which is fine, but it, it'll lose the effectiveness of it over over time. So, you know, as far as getting into people's DMs and everything else like that, there's typically two ways to do it. There's one that they go in and say, hey, this is what I do. Are you interested in it? Where it's just basically a cold, uh, cold intro, straight pitch. And then there's people who actually want to build a relationship before they they do that. Yeah. But unfortunately, because it happens so much, people get a bit skeptical when someone slides in and says, "Hey, how are you going?" It's like, oh, "I don't want to get pitched," you know. It's like, yeah. and then they shut them down there and then. But like for me, I, I welcome it because there's a couple of things that can happen, and this is really where I get most of my gold from. I would say is that when I just entertain every single chat that comes through. And if I don't like what they've got to offer, I just say, cool, man, like I, I just decline. I'm just not in a position. Or I don't want, I don't really want to do that. Right. But if there's, there's the few really good appointment setters that catch my attention and they catch me by surprise where I know they're trying to sell me on something, but they're just so good that I want to engage in conversation, whether that's, you know, dropping a gift because I hadn't responded for five days in a row yeah. and I just laugh at the gift and I go, oh, man, I better tell this guy I'm sorry <laughs> for not responding. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, you know, making a comment on my post and I go, oh, man, I should get back to this person. Uh, yeah. You know, you sort of use whatever you've got in the online space, not just in the DMs but outside of it um, as well. Yeah. So, I mean, the more human you can be doing that, the better it is, uh, I, I think. I don't mm. think there's a particular script that would, you know, get somebody to do And if there is, a bunch of people are probably already using it. So the more human you can be on it. And I think if you're on the receiving end of it, if you can be open to these things, man, you're going to learn a lot of how people slide into DMs, how good some of them actually do it, that you want to engage in conversation. And I would just model that. Like to me, that's why I entertain all of it. Now, I don't want everyone sliding in my DMs trying to pitch me something, but hey, I'm open to a chat all the time because I feel like I learn. So yeah. Patrick's open. He's ready to buy, ladies and gentlemen. I'm ready to buy. And if I'm not, I'll say no. <laughs> That's it. Or you won't hear from me. I think it's always fun. I think just being human is, um, you know, probably the best advice for any sales situation up until the close where you need to not stop being human, but a bit of skill comes in at the end of the close if you need to objection handle that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. In that introductory, me- introductory message, being authentic, being genuine, being human is huge. And it is a shame because we are skeptical these days, right? We mm. get a message yeah. from someone and I'm looking at one right now. I'm looking at a, a message in my inbox right now. And all I can see is, would you, and I know that that's going to be something that's inviting going to <laughs> or whatever. And they happen on Instagram all the time. Even when people are like being so genuine, they're trying to be genuine. They say like, oh, that's amazing. You're a marketer. Um, what sort of steps do you need to take in your business to, to grow to the next mm. level? It's like, you wouldn't talk to me like that to my face. Why yeah, are you saying in a message? You know, it, it's weird, yeah. man. So I think that's actually a great skill in, um, in marketing is copywriting the way you speak. Yes. And in sales, it needs to be the same thing. You need to speak like you, uh, like you're in front of the person, you know, not just kind of a keyboard version of it. I want yeah. to show you something. I want 100% to bring out agree. anonymously, <laughs> message that I got. Right? Yeah, yeah, go for it. And it was a guy uh, who I think I even reached out to him to say hello because I start um, a lot of conversations with coaches about the podcast. Mm. Hey, I saw your post you come on the podcast. Sometimes that leads to, you know, as you know, none of my guests on my podcast have ever gone on to buying anything from me because that's not the point. But now mm. I know an extra 50, 60 people who are in my network, right? Yeah, 100%. One guy. He was nice, nice enough, nice enough. And then he goes, um, uh, do you have a vision you feel called to fulfill? And I was like, mm, okay. That's deep. a bit of a grandiose <laughs> statement. And then he gets into longer and longer sentences. And then he goes, uh, human beings are very transparent. Why are you so sad, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, 
I'm not that. Does that ever work? <laughs> Does that ever work as a, as a pitch? Like just t- messaging someone saying why you're sad. Do you think that being antagonistic and calling people out on a sale is ever a good idea? Uh, I've, I've not used it before. Um, and I know it doesn't, it doesn't spark me into action. If you're trying to be like that to get a bit of reverse psychology, there's probably other ways to do it. You know, I don't, I don't think that builds any trust by being antagonistic like that. You know, I mean, I, I, I would shut off to it pretty much straight away. Yeah. Uh, what what do you think are the mistakes that you are seeing in the kind of sales training world out there from influence on the internet, that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, look, the, the typical thing, um, I mean, there's one thing that you shouldn't do when you're sliding into someone's DM and, and, and that's basically to say hi and nothing else. Like, that's probably the worst opener that, that I've seen. Or you're going to get someone saying hi or, okay, what what is it that you want, right? <laughs> so at least say thanks for connecting or, hey, you know, like I really like your post. Like what most openers, you make a compliment to where they're at. Um, whenever I go into somebody and, and like, I only really DM people I'm interested in talking to, anyway right so i'll find something in their content and if i relate to it i'll mention it if i don't i'll just say thanks for connecting and i sort of leave it at leave it at that for you know to start the conversation and look if anyone's listening that's in my dms now you'll know (laughs) this is this is the case this is what what i do right um but you know the just going on things that uh like probably you know the worst practices uh out there is to try to engage in uh, like small talk, you know, like that's probably the, the worst. You either go in and go deep on something to start a conversation uh, as in, you know, not related to like your service or your program or anything like that uh, rather than saying, Hey, how are you? Like, you know, how's your day? Like that sort of stuff to me uh, just means that, like, why are you starting a conversation, basically, is, is my, my question on it. So, you know, look, I'll, I'll entertain it, and then they end up getting to the point um, of, you know, what they're trying to sell. But, yeah, sometimes I appreciate it when someone just dives in and says, hey, this is what, what I've got to offer. Do you want to join our group or do you want to do this? You know, and I just respond to it and say, cool, right, let me check it out. Um, so I've seen that, you know, approach. For me, it, it, it's, not, it's not so bad, you know. Saves um, a lot of time, right? <laughs> saves, yeah. Saves time when you saves, uh, saves time. Get it out of the way. Imagine if a door-to-door salesman came to your door, knocked on the door, and said, "Hey, how's your day going? Oh, <laughs> nice house you got here." And then just never got to the point. You'd be like, get "Off my porch." Yeah, get off, get off my property. <laughs> so that's that's actually the best the best analogy for it. That that is actually pretty accurate. You just wouldn't do that, right? Like you just wouldn't. Like a, a cold caller is not going to ring on the phone and say, "Oh, so how, yeah, what's what's been happening? How's how's things in your life going right now?" Not with at least a bit of context of you know, "Hey, I'm calling because of this," mm. um, at least like that. You know, it's just. Um, but but I I get it, man. I, I get that there's like a lot of different methods, you know, to be able to to be able to do the DM DM chat, but it also depends like what's on your profile what's on, what's the content that you've got so when people come in and they're having a conversation if they can see see things on your profile that you know maybe they're actually interested in like you just don't know until you engage uh, with them in the first place you know some of the people that try to pitch me end up becoming clients because they you know like it's okay hey your your, your chat process is is pretty average man like, like Probably, can I give you some tips on maybe what would make it better? Try it on your next one and let me know how it goes. Um, so, you know, I've had a couple of those where they've come in, like, just a little bit off. And, um, and that's what I was saying. Like, you, you just never know. If you entertain a conversation, you just never know where it might go. Like, you might get invited to a podcast. You might get, mm. you know, hey, I, I know somebody that you might be able to to help. Like, if you just built that little bit of um, connection, you know. So, I, I, I was in a chat with um you know a, a new friend request from last night um and i mentioned something about her her profile um just a question that she had and we got on a call this morning to talk about it you know it's she's not ideal client and i'm not her ideal client but you know we've just formed a little little bit of a network so that if yeah we cross paths again that at least we're on the forefront of each other's mind you know so that's kind of what that's what the game is now it's you know, two years ago, you could get on LinkedIn and say, "Hey, I'm looking for three coaches that want to do this," and then, bam, you're in a you're in a sales call. <laughs> like it used to be like that, 
uh, but the game's a little bit longer now. It is, it is. And, you know, I'm in in the marketing world and, you know, advertising is getting more expensive and people know, they know the strategies, you know, most people are pitching everyone else and people know that a free book is going to lead to some sort of email or some sort of phone call or they know a free webinar is going to have a pitch at the end and they know a free session is not a free session anymore. Mm. So the process is always evolving and changing as people get more knowledgeable just like probably it was easier to be a door-to-door salesman 50 years ago and a cold caller 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, back in Jordan Belfort's day. Yeah. If someone called 100%. and tried to sell me stocks over the phone now, I probably wouldn't have a bar of it. Mm. So we're all getting smarter and more, more and more skeptical as we go. Yeah. So <laughs> having said that, um, when you're selling a high ticket product and teaching people to sell a high ticket product, I mean, what do you see is the the biggest thing we can do to kind of quash someone's skepticism mm. and build some trust with them in a space where they can't even see our face? Mm. Yeah, it's a good point, man. So, like in terms of you know when we get into building sales processes and uh, you know getting on the call, like what's really important is at first to understand the client journey, like like what you're saying, right, and and how sophisticated they are, as in, like, how knowledgeable is the market that you're talking to about the problem and the solutions that's out there? Some of them don't know that there's a problem, so we got to educate them on what the problem is so that they need a solution for it. Uh, there's, you know, markets out there, they're very problem aware. They're just trying to find a solution for it, and if you happen to be that, then that's a good thing. And then there's the ones, like the market that I'm in now, where they're very sophisticated. They know the marketing techniques. They know the strategies. They know they've got a problem and they know that there's a solution out there for it. And so, you know, like in marketing, you, you, you'll know that. In sales, it's, it's pretty much the same. Uh, and I suppose like from once you know what that is, you can sort of have your, uh, your conversations geared towards educating them on one of those things, whether, you know, it's, it's a problem that they have that, there's you know there's something underneath that or you know they there's a problem that they know and then there's different solutions that's out there or if they're really sophisticated uh you know this, i know this is your problem these are the solutions but what's really the problem like that what's really going on uh inside of that so the questions change slightly i i, I feel having done with you know like real new markets versus uh sophisticated markets it's really about the questions that you're that you ask. I don't feel like you can ask the same question to a, uh, let's call it like a novice, less sophisticated market to a more, more sophisticated market. I think there's slight variations that need to happen, you know, okay. sort of along, along the way. Do you have examples of what might be considered a more novice market and more sophisticated market? Uh, just an example, like say um, B2C, uh, biz op type of offers, yeah. let's say, um, where, and the classic one is, you know, from people who want a new opportunity to get online where mm. they're firstly dabbling in to figure out, okay, what can I do online? Do I want to be a coach? Do I want to be a, uh, you know, like an e-com business, mm. dropshipper, that, that sort of thing where they're searching for the, their problem is they want to make more money. How do I do that? You know, that's kind of the, the problem aware, but not solution aware. Yeah. 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 And, they're, and they're searching for that. And uh, yeah. they probably haven't tried a lot of different things either. So when you start talking about, hey, do you know you can build an e-com brand or you can become a coach? It's like, whoa, that's, that's a new, new thing, right? And that's exciting. Whereas the more sophisticated people, you know, like yourself, you're, you're dealing with businesses who want to grow. And do they do that organically or do they do that through paid ads? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, they're really problem where they, they've got good goals to grow. They're just trying to figure out what's the best thing. Or they know that they need to run ads. They're like, who is the person that's going to run ads for them uh, is, yeah. is more or the other. So they've probably been through a, a few different sales calls already. They've analyzed who gives what, what offers are, uh, are out there. So it's more around the offer that you're, that you're giving them and how it's different to what they've tried before and why those things didn't work in the past. Um, so, you know, there's a bit of framing uh, around that. I know with most coaches who have tried everything, even people who have looked to hire uh, appointment setters um, in the past, the reason why they haven't gone with, you know, some of the bigger 
guys is purely on cost and they don't feel like they uh, they don't feel like they need that level for right now yeah. in their business because they're still the bottleneck they're still thinking that um, so it's, it's you know it's a little bit of education around that like why you didn't why they didn't do uh, you go with your competitor and why they should probably use services like you know like yours because you'll simplify it you'll meet them more around where their business is uh, so you know those are the sort of things uh, that would be different in those yeah those markets. yeah that makes a lot of sense so yeah I think you're completely right often when you're selling business to business B to B the person who's being sold to kind of knows they're being sold to. They're there for a reason. They yes. know the solution. They're seeing if you can deliver it. B to C, they need a little more education to kind of move them along that line because the, the days are gone when you can just say, here's an opportunity to make some money. Mm. Uh, do you want to do it? Because that's, you know, that would seem like a scam straight away. So just educating those people, showing them testimonials and, making that part of the sales process, even in between calls, right? Mm. You know, that, that's, um, are you seeing that as a powerful thing? Like appointment yeah. set is sending like a resource or a testimonial to a yeah. lead in between the two phone calls? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very, very much common. Um, what we find for not the less sophisticated markets, like a good VSL uh, yeah. or a good webinar, good training piece, like they should watch it so that they get educated. So then you don't do it as much on the call. Yeah. The more sophisticated guys, it's almost like you just give them the option. If you want to watch it, you watch it. If you don't want to watch it, we're going to talk about it anyway, right? So most of the time, my experience um, in the sophisticated market, they don't even watch it. Yeah. They kind of flick through, okay, I've seen that funnel before. Or they'll, you know, oh, I'm going to use that funnel as a swipe file and then I'll, yeah. I'll keep it. Yeah. Um, and then they sort of get on the, you know, get on the phone call. But in either case, like, you know, should still be providing something to either prep them for the call, frame up the call of what it's going to be about or some real education, you know, if they're in the less uh, sophisticated, you know, sort of uh, sort of group. So, yeah, I, there's, there's a lot of power in it for sure. Mm. And you talk about, you know, we talk about objection handling and in, in, in the clothes, you got to handle the objections of, Oh, you know, we've all been in the situation. So, man, do you want to do it? Oh, yeah, I'm sure I've got to check with my wife. <laughs> or, uh, oh, you know, I've just got a bill on my car. Or, oh, no, my cat's sick. Or it's my fucking dog's birthday or whatever. You know, you I'm some good ones. at that point, you know, you've got to have some real, real skills to, to flip it back around and get them over those objections. And that can be, you know, not everyone's favorite thing to do. But mm. you speak about pre-objection handling. And that can be done in part of that process we were just talking about. Um, how do you see pre-objection handling? What does it mean? How do you do mm. it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, look, I, I I suck at objection handling. Like I think, full stop. I don't I don't enjoy it because when it comes to objection handling, especially at the end, they've kind of made up their minds and they're just either deflecting or they're just trying to come up with something. And I've had some really good ones. Uh, where you know my my husband's got the credit card, I'll just go get it, and then they just disappear. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. and I've I've heard even worse than that, where yeah, people have passed away all of a sudden. Uh, knock on wood, I'm not sure that's the case, but you know, yeah. sometimes you get that sort of feeling. But uh, the pre-objection handling is is not so much uh, you know just firing off objections and saying, hey, do you have this objection? But there's like in most businesses, there's like three most common ones that people get. Right, it's time. Like now's not the right time. There's yep. the money objection, uh, and also there's um, the partner objection. They're the yep. three most common. Like in all the things that I've done, those are the ones that come up. Yeah. So those are easily pre-handled during the call, because if you do it during the call and you bring it up, so for example, the time situation. Look, if you are going to take on this project with me, or if you're going to jump into my program, I just want to check: Do you actually have the time? to be able to implement this. Mm. You know, this is like halfway through the call, well before you even talk about your program or your or your service. It's only through the discovery. And if people say, yeah, look, I'm a bit busy, like I probably started in the, a month later, you can start to handle that right there and then before you start talking about your process and what you're going to give them. Yeah. So that they can't use it in the end, you know, so then you isolate it. And if in the end they give you something, like, oh, you know, I don't really have time. Well, actually, you said at the start, because I checked in with you, you said that you did have time. 
So, so I'm guessing that maybe time's not the issue that you're uncertain about something. So if you want to talk about that, I'm happy to do that, you know? So mm. um, it's that sort of thing. The partner objection, again, same thing. If you know that they're a couple, like nine times out of 10, they need to talk to each other about money. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just a given. So with regards to, um, you know, doing the partner objection, it's like, okay, cool. Like, this is great. You've got some awesome goals. I just want to ask, like, have you spoken to your partner about this already? Yeah. If they say they haven't, you know, then you can start exploring that. Okay, look, if you were to talk to your partner about solving this problem, what do you think they would say? Like, if you joined a program like this, what would they say if you were talking to her right now? Yeah. Again, this is before you even start presenting your offer. Mm. Um to them so at this stage they they have to give you like some sort of response that will help them get through that next thing that you're going to tell them right because at this point they should be curious like what is the actual offer so if you put that gate in front of them they'll tell you either yep look I, i need to talk to my partner about it in which case you can say hey maybe we should bring bring them in or they'll say no i can make all the decisions myself present your offer get to the end yep. what do you want to do I need to talk to my partner about it. Oh, hang on a sec. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about this. You said you, you, were, you were pretty good. So I don't believe it's a partner objection or it's a partner issue. Like what is it that you're not sure about? And then you yeah. can talk about it that way. So that's kind of the flow of, yeah, how we would do pre-objection handling along along the way. So, But time and partner are the most common ones to, and the easiest ones to get out of the road. So uh, at least yeah. you, you can't use an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm seeing partner in the business world more as well when it's a business partner or I, I generally would call it the, the permission objection. They've got to go and ask someone else, whether it's a boss or a manager yeah. or they are the decision maker, but they need to kind of get a confirmation. Yeah. And often in my job, when I'm selling to a business, it generally becomes a situation of I'll send you a proposal, look over it yes. and sign it. Yes or no. Yeah. And, uh, that's been a whole new ball game for me because I, none of my clients in the marketing space, I've ever closed there and then. Mm. It's, they, they go and think about it and it's an ROI decision. Mm. That's a very, very different one. But back in the day, man, I was in a whole different style of sales and that was high ticket closing on the phone, mm. objection handling, looping people around and around and around. And it was, yeah. <laughs> and what happened to me what was really interesting was when I had someone who needed the most objection handling and I was doing my best selling, you know, got them really emotional and they were super ready to buy and do it. Nine times out of 10, the next day, they freaked out and called me and canceled it. (laughs) Because that level of objection handling that you were talking about when you have to, you know, overcome things at the end of the phone call when their mind's already made up, all you're doing is you're just temporarily changing their mind, but they've already Mm -hmm. made their mind up, right? So, I mean, do do you think that, that is even, you know, the controversial opinion. Do you think that looping people and really like hard closing people who have given you objections is a good idea? Uh, I think it depends. Depends on yeah. the offer. Again, same same thing. If it's uh, if they're a sophisticated, you know, uh, prospect or not. Um, I think there's a time and a place for it, especially if you're offering them something that could like change their life mm. um, with the less sophisticated mark. With sophisticated guys, like they know what most of the time they know what you're doing anyway. So if you do it well before when they expect it, like it's a it's a big pattern interrupt for them and they just don't expect it, you know. So um, I think that yeah, there is a time and a place for it. Um, but it's got to be to the right people and what you're offering them like it has to be rock solid i mean you, you can't just offer a 10k program if you think it's going to work mm. if they do the work but if you're 100 and you can deliver that um yeah I, I i would do it for sure yeah i think that's fair enough that's fair enough it's it's if you're confident that what you're doing is actually good for them and if mm. they leave then you've done them a disservice mm. by letting yeah. them leave then yeah put the hammer down a little bit, but uh, yeah. it's not always right. And sometimes you can just be, do you ever get on a roll and when you're, you're just closing everyone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your confidence level just goes like. It's just so, right up there. Yeah. yeah. And then you just close everyone and they're not all the right person or whatever, but you just will not take any, any shit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> in, 
in high ticket sales, I mean, um, probably way too big of a question, but when someone, um, can you tell when someone's giving you a genuine objection that is true and when someone is making an excuse? Generally speaking, um, yeah, you can, um, but it's always good to clarify anyway. Like, is what, is it, what can, does that mean? You can kind of tell, is that all done in the, in the pre-phone call or is that like a tone it's, of voice thing? It's that- more tone of voice. Yeah. I think if they're quick to answer, like people who you can hear the tonality in their voice change a little bit when they're not being 100% genuine. Um, but you could also, like if, how, how is it? It's like an upward tonality is typically when they're not 100%. It's like, you know, how do you feel about this? I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like that's an obvious one, right? But you can pick the subtleties in it. But if people are like, how do you feel about this stuff? I know, yeah, really good. Like they're sure and they're, and, and they're confident with how they say it. That's typically a good thing. Mm. Um, but if they say, you know, yeah, I just need to think about it. Like that is a, that has to be clarified Yeah, uh, for sure. And the easiest way to do it is if you've got to clarify someone is, look, if you if someone says I need to think about it, depending on what it is, a lot of people will say, you know, like, what is it that you need to think about? And that leaves the door wide open. So you want to narrow down to maybe like, is it this or that mm. type of objection handling? So, okay, cool. So let me let me ask a question. Like, if you want to think about it, are you thinking about the cost that it is to get into this program? Or are you thinking about if the program is the right thing for you to do? So you kind of isolate, you don't give them any options other than those two things. And it doesn't have to be that, but it could be anything, right? They could have a different objection about something else. Um, but if you can isolate, whether it's a price thing or if it's a um, uh, if it's a money thing or if they're just not sure, then if you isolate that, then, they, then you can find a real objection um, behind it. So typically when you get one objection, that's not, that's not the real objection. There's something underlying in it. They're just afraid to say it. So... Uh, that's one way for us. That's what we do to try to isolate those sort of things. So that would be a massive bombshell for a lot of people <laughs> to hear that probably when someone gives yeah. you an objection, it's not the real objection. Mm. And they generally do come down to time, money or permission. Right. So that, just that digging, yeah. you know, I think, um, why, why do you feel that way? Is that the kind of line of questioning you take? Like, what is it about that you're worried about and just, lead the yeah. to the, the root of what they're worried about? Yeah, almost. Um, you you kind of want to give them uh, two, two routes that they can go down, right? So you don't leave it wide open. So if there's an objection about, uh, you know, look, I think it's probably, um, it's a money thing. You know, you can isolate a money aside, like if, if money wasn't an issue, is this something that you would you would want to do or would you be 100% in on this? So then they, if they say yes and they're like 100% yes, then it's a matter of logistics and, and payment. But if they say, look, I do need to think about the money. So if, you know, even though my, if money wasn't aside, like I would do it, but I need to think about the money. So then yeah. there's, you know, there's something else in that. Yeah. And then you can clarify that. Okay, so if we're talking about money, is it that you don't know if you should pay for it or you don't know how you can pay for it. Yeah. There's, there's a difference between those two. Right. So um, yeah, it's always like you can clarify and just keep digging in. But I think if you have a resolution for them, it's easier to pick one or the other. That's, that's what, what we find. Then you're not going around in circles trying to dig deep and it's already a tense situation. Right. So <laughs> you kind of got to lead them to that way. Yeah, man. So that's, that's typically how. How we were doing. Do you believe in the notion of always ask one more time? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> Some sometimes. Um, it depends how it depends how the, the vibe of the of the meeting. Uh, yeah. I, I like to yeah just just to double double check on it. But sometimes if the temperature is not there, you kind of just have to leave it, you know, because uh, it makes it really really awkward to follow, and it takes away the chance to for you to follow up if it's a genuine. There's a genuine. Uh, mm. concern you know yeah and at what point do you know it's time to give up on a close oh uh, look i've had a, a lot of this where i'm trying to you know get through all of it ask all those questions and then you get to a point where now you're trying to shift their belief shift their identity and i think once they start agreeing with you and then they but they keep giving you excuses i i, I sort of move on and just work out the best way to, to do a follow-up 
uh, after that, you know, well, you're giving them, you're dropping them all your best lines and they're like, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I just have to, um, yeah, I just have to work this out. You know, it's like, I think that just goes nowhere and it and yeah. just ends up pissing them off, pisses me off. So I just leave it, yeah. you know, I just kind of leave it uh, and just do a really good follow-up um, and, and hope that, you know, that was a genuine thing. Doesn't happen all the time, but yeah, if it happens, that's how we would do it. Yeah, they shut down at a certain point. They shut down at a certain point. I, I wanted to ask yeah. you, um, kind of mo- moving into the close of this podcast, who's the best salesperson you've ever seen? Do you have a story about the best sale that someone did to you or that something? To me? Uh, uh, yeah, I do. I mean, uh, the, it was actually, uh, I remember this because I talked to my wife about it. Um, at barbecues galore, the best okay. salesperson that ever. So I went in there wanting to buy a Weber barbecue. Uh, this is this is my favorite salesperson ever. But I went in there and I went, hey, I want to buy this particular barbecue. I've researched it. I've done all of that. I just want that. And it was, would have been an easy transaction. She could have just picked up the barbecue and just walked me out the door. I would have bought it. Um, she goes, oh, that's a great barbecue. Can I ask, like, what sort of cooking do you do on it? And I said, oh, this is the sort of cooking that I want to do. Because are you stuck on this one or can I can I share with you one one thing that might be a bit better for what you want to do? And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And I'm thinking, okay, just show me anyway, but I'm going to grab this. And then she just showed it to me. Eh? Like the, this, it was a Ziegler Brown barbecue. Yeah. And she goes, it's got this, it's got this. Price-wise is about the same, so it's not really an issue there. Um, but here you get this and this is probably the outcomes that you can get from this barbecue. And man, I bought the barbecue. I bought the cleaning kit. I bought some buckets to go with it. I bought tongs. I bought a wok at the same time. And I went all out, probably doubled what I was going to spend on a different barbecue that I had my mindset on, on that particular Weber barbecue. So that was, that was the best experience that I've had in, in sales. I felt bad not buying a bunch more shit from her because it was like that was that was pretty masterful. Uh, I thought that was good. That's amazing. So, yeah. You you went you went in for one thing, saying I want to buy this, and she sold you something completely different. Completely different. Double, <laughs> double, double the spend, and I've still got the barbecue, and I and I actually really love it. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And man. is there a sale you're most proud of? It doesn't have to be a big one. Ah, uh, for me. Um, yeah, I've got a couple of good ones. One one that stands out is when um, when I was doing real estate, I, I walked into a, into a, some um, you know client's house, took them uh, just before I was about to present. She said, "All the things I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this," and I said, "Well, that's all all the things you said you don't want. That's exactly what I've got to sell to sell you. So you tell me if you want me to sell it to you or do you want me to walk out the door?" Um, and she goes, "You know what? Just sell it to me anyway." And yeah, we built no rapport. Walked in, it was cold. I didn't get any water. She didn't offer me anything. Um, and by the end of it, they signed and they showed me all around their house. Got a drink of water. Even got an OJ. So <laughs> that, that's probably one of my one of my favorite ones. Uh, well sure. done, man. Well yeah. done, bro. And for you, like, what do you think is going to be the next the the next step for you as a salesperson? Like, what's your goal? Yeah, for me, I just uh, probably want to build um, more sales uh, managers. That's kind of the next step. You know, I know we can do really good, uh, put together good setters, good closers, mm. um, but to be able to manage culture, manage teams, high performance, um, chilled out, relaxed teams, like have somebody well-rounded enough to be able to do not all of it at the same time, but to have people in place to do that. I think that's where sort of our next business level is going to, going to be so some done for you sales management um is the goal for next year i'm looking forward to i I would love to absolutely get a hand with that as you know as i said on the podcast already i've bottlenecked my business actually no my twins have bottlenecked my business a little because i've got time (laughs) for pretty much everything except go out and you know speak to new clients on the phone yeah that's more of a time of the day sensitive thing sometimes And so I'm looking to kind of build a team around that. And it's that funny little balance of, do you, uh, do you go and get more leads so that mm-hmm. you know, until you can't close them and they get someone to help, or do you get someone to help you close them and then go mm-hmm. and get the leads to fulfill that job? Bit of a chicken, the egg thing. It keeps happening yeah. to me, <laughs> man. Keeps happening to me, but um, I'm just, uh, I'm at a point where I think I need to cut back on my own input and income to then kick off like 2022 mm. with a team of four rather than just being me. 
And then yeah. the end of 2022, beginning of next year, next 2023, it will look very different to how the beginning yeah. of this year looked because of investing in things like what you do, hiring a great sales team opens up the business to a whole new level, man. Um, oh, actually on that sure. note, what do you think? Do you think I should go and get the leads first and then get to a point where I can't close them? Or do I go and get the salespeople first and then just fill them up with leads? Uh, yeah. People who are good. That's a good, that's a good point, man. So for you, I would get a commission only setter yeah. and just jam them with leads and then you do the close. And I think that's probably the, the best first step, man. The best first step for a coach, a consultant who just needs to just increase their capacity a little bit. Increase their capacity, yeah, because then you'll have more headspace to get new leads, right? So, because then you start getting leads, you get the overwhelm, you have to shut it down, you lose momentum to try to find someone, that person doesn't work out. So then you've got a bunch of leads that doesn't get uh, serviced. Yeah. So at least if you've got someone commission only, set the expectations straight, then you can put some headspace into, you know, really driving the leads. And um, yeah, at least you've got two people that can handle them. And once you've got enough, you, you just have to maximize on it and not waste them. So that's what I think. It's all super tangible. <laughs> I think like what you're doing for, you know, small to medium coaching and consulting businesses is actually a service that not a lot of people know they need, but when you can go out and help them build it, they'll realize how valuable that is. So I really look forward to your business growing. Yeah, awesome, man. I look forward to you hopefully helping my business grow over the next year. And uh, you know what? We'll probably both sell each other something at some point. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, man. I appreciate your time, man. No, cool thank you out. so much. Uh, <laughs> you know, go and have a wonderful afternoon with your guitar and your babies and your phone calls and everything. <laughs> and, That's um, it, man. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Is there anything you'd like to plug quickly before we go? Uh, no, look, uh, just real simple. If anyone wants to learn um, or, you know, pass on some skills to their team and they don't have time to do that or they just want to check out, you know, some of the training that we do, um, I do have a group uh, It's called High Ticket Sales Secrets uh, that you guys can jump into and, yeah, get some of the free stuff in there. Awesome. We'll put that, uh, we'll put a link to that in the content from this podcast, man. Awesome, and brother. I very much look forward to <laughs> hopping in there myself. Thank you so much, Patrick. I appreciate it, man. Pleasure having you on, bro. And no uh, yeah, anyone yeah. listening on Spotify, thank you so much. We'll be back in a few days' time. Anyone watching live, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. I'll be back in a couple of days' time with a new <laughs> episode of Coaches to the Moon podcast. But until then, much love and peace out. <laughs>